Cloudcast Media presents from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina. This is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delp and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome back to the Cloudcast. I took a week off. We are back. Uh, or at least I'm back. Aaron is uh, back out on the road. He's at somewhere in California or Denver or Las Vegas or someplace out west, so he couldn't make it tonight. But uh, as always, coming to you from the massive studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, you know, two things that we, we do a really, really poor job on the show. Uh, number one, um, we don't have enough women on the show, and there are tons and tons of smart women that we should have on the show. So uh, we need to fix that. We're going to fix that tonight, or at least in a small way. And then the other thing we don't do very well is we don't talk about SaaS applications very often. And quite honestly, um, I've spent the last few weeks dealing with infrastructure people of all sorts and listening to them bicker about Kubernetes and Mesos and OpenStack and all these other things that at the end of the day are plumbing. And so tonight we're going to fix the, uh, the not talking about SaaS stuff enough. And we're going to talk to people that actually deal with applications. So uh, excited to have back on the show after a very long stint, uh, old friend of the show, uh, an old friend of the show, Gina Minx. Welcome back to the show. Thanks very much. Hey. Hey. Um, so first off, uh, thanks for being on. Um, I was in your adopted hometown a couple of weeks ago for OpenStack Summit. First time for me. Uh, really loved it. Um, nice people, great food, a little, a little steamy, but that's expected. Um, tell us about a little bit about Austin for those folks that don't get down there very often. Austin's an interesting place. So it's the blue dot in Texas. It's also the capital. Um, uh, I love it. I, I came here when I came to work for Dell and now work for, um, what was formerly a startup that's now part of EMC. And so I work downtown. Um, there's tons of music just everywhere you look, the food, is amazing and you can get any type of food you want. Um, probably the best thing that was ever invented in life is breakfast tacos. So if you come to Austin, that's one thing you have to have. Yep. Besides barbecue. Um, all sorts of breweries. Um, there's lots of water. There's lots of outside things to do. Everybody that has a dog. It's just cool and laid back. I love it. Yeah. No, it's very cool. It was, uh, of all the places I think I would, I would move from North Carolina, Austin would be very near the top of my list. So, um, uh, fun place. Um, so uh, you sort of half introduced yourself. So uh, let me kind of partially introduce you and then tell me, you know, fill in the, fill in the blank. So you are a product marketing manager for Spanning or Spanning Backup, which is, a, like you said, a company that, that EMC acquired. But, but you guys focus on SaaS applications, which is, you know, completely outside of the normal EMC realm. So tell me, tell me what you guys are doing these days, what you're doing and what you guys are doing and kind of get us up to speed. Okay, cool. Um, we, we are a cloud-to-cloud backup um, SaaS application. We have three different SaaS apps that we protect. Um, Google Apps is what we started with about seven years ago. And then we moved on to Salesforce. And about a year ago, we launched support for Office 365. And that's my product. I'm the product marketing manager for that. Um, for Office 365 right now, we cover mail, calendars, and we just launched OneDrive for Business. So I'm kind of winding down from the OneDrive for Business launch while at the same time getting wound back up because I'll go to World Partner Conference in Toronto in July. So learning lots and lots and lots about Microsoft, the application side of it versus how you store and back up um, Microsoft applications on premises. And the learning about SaaS, which is just the whole model, how, you know, it's a different um, buying model. It's a different provider model. It's a different support model. It's a different... Even from a product marketing perspective, it's a um, we do continual release. So 
dev will ha- has this long list of stuff that they're working on and they get it done and they they turn it on. <laughs> it's available to everybody. So um, trying to figure out if we've got continual release for three products, how do we fit into a huge corporation, which is EMC and their marketing procedures? How do we keep all of our content up to date? How do we keep everybody trained? So it's been it's re- really interesting just from a product marketing perspective. Love yeah. More. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's cool. And, and, and the reason I wanted to reach out to you, um, we didn't get a chance to bump into each other last week in Vegas, but, uh, um, so, I mean, like SaaS is a, you know, as a market is probably 75 to $80 billion a year. Um, you know, you compare that to, to AWS, which is doing, you know, 10 or 11 billion. So it's, you know, uh, five, six, seven times as big as sort of the IaaS market, which, uh, people talk about a lot. It's growing at 20% a year. And, and the one trick for us is, um, you know, as much as we try to, to talk to the sales forces and, and, and Microsoft's and so forth, you know, they don't give out a whole lot of details. And, um, so, you know, what we find is as we talk to companies, uh, like spanning and, and, and like a lot of other kind of interesting SaaS companies, we get some pretty good insight into what's going on with that world. So, so give us, so, you know, yeah. you, you come from the background that, that a lot of us do, like you, you've worked for vendors and you've worked on some of the operation side for, you know, stuff that was sold on premises, like, I don't know, give us, give us the indoctrination, the sort of SAS 101 <laughs> and what's different and just how do people buy and who's the buyers and all that basic stuff. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, I guess the way I describe it to start off with is just knowing there, there's three primary widely accepted cloud deployment models, right? So you have IaaS, you have PaaS, and then you have SAS. Um, and I always describe what that means, especially to like an IT organization. You have to compare it all to what you did on premises. On premises, you were responsible for the entire stack, all of the hardware, all of the networking, all of the virtualization, all of the operating system, all of the application. You know, you get to pick which version of the application it is. You get to ha- pick how you tweak it, all the rest of it, how you actually run it on the hardware. Then you're also responsible for the administering that app, the data, of course, because the data is what's the most important thing, and the users, administering the users. So when you you make a decision to go to cloud, and that's kind of what I'm a little fuzzy on with the buying cycle is how that decision is made. It's very interesting. Every time we talk to a customer, it's different. You make a decision to go. Do you, how, well, how do you decide to go? Do you, do you take all your Microsoft applications and put them on the, their SaaS version of it, or do you go ahead and run it in either IaaS or PaaS. Either way, you were making some kind of a decision. Um, with IaaS and PaaS, you can control more of the application. Sometimes you can tr- control the virtualization and sometimes the OS, but that's it. You're not going to have to deal with the hardware. That's kind of the promise of cloud. I don't have to deal with that anymore. Someone else, I'm going to trust my cloud provider to do an excellent job at keeping all of that up and running so I can just run my applications. With SaaS, you kind of give up almost all control over the, the stack. You don't get to, you don't get to log, you don't get to decide what version of the application it is. Your administration rights are going to be condensed. It'll be whatever your SaaS provider decides you can have. Um, you pretty much can't do anything, and you don't want to. That's why you're allowing Microsoft to deliver their applications to you and as a software as a service model. Um, but you're still responsible for your users, um, and taking care of them. And most importantly, the data. Yeah. Which is your space, which is what we do is taking care of that data. So I know that we've seen from a buyer perspective and we were just training some new TDRs this afternoon. It's, 
different every single time we have a sale. And I think a lot of that is because this is just my guess is, is companies now are feeling more um, confident about, or or maybe they're feeling like they have to move something to the cloud. So they're going to bite the bullet and they're going to go. So that adoption where the adoption is, is, is we're getting over that curve. We're getting to, people aren't afraid of it anymore and they're wanting to try it out and adopt it. Um, So when we're in a sale, it can be, anyone it can sometimes the backup admins bring us in this is with 365 sometimes we see the euc team because they are the ones that led um going to office 365 sometimes it'll be business the business side bringing us in sometimes it's the it organization the it like the 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 c-level sometimes it's the architects bringing us in but there's on every level um i think backup gets forgotten about just like it always did on-prem Right. Well, that, and that was and that was what was sort of interesting to me was because um, I remember when when Spanning had got acquired a couple of years ago, and I and I thought, huh, you know, I, you know, I, I use a we we use a bunch of SaaS applications like for the podcast, and you know, most of them are consumer grade, but still, like, we don't really ever think about you know sort of backing them up. So like, it, it never dawns on me to go, oh, I have a ton of stuff in Dropbox. Like, right. you know, my in my mind, I think I go, oh, well, they they must back it up or replicate it somehow. But, but more and more what sort of comes to mind now is, um, and maybe it's not as relevant with like Salesforce or, or Microsoft, cause there's a pretty good chance they're not going out of business anytime soon. But, um, you know, you, you see, I mean, so many SaaS applications and, you know, like, I don't know, Microsoft bought somebody today who does, um, Outlook integrations and it's like, Oh, we're going away. And, and like, I think that, that type of stuff scares people a little bit and, and, you know, sort of reminds you that, oh yeah, that they, they run stuff for you, but you do have to keep track of something like, um, so like, do, do you see that sort of mindset quite a bit? Um, people just sort of forget about it or what's the, what's the driving behavior typically? To come to us, um, we've had several people that come to us because they've lost data. So, I mean, this is the thing with, with data and data protection inside a SAS is, um, the SaaS providers, they do some data protection and that the, why they do it is so that they can meet their SLAs. Their SLAs are always around uptime, right? So Microsoft is three nines. So their, their SLAs that you will never have a down exchange server. They're not going to let a bunch of disks failing interrupt service to you. They're going to take care of it. Right. But the main cause of data loss has always been one of the top causes always been user error. So if Microsoft gets, a a command from an authenticated authorized user to delete some data, they're going to do that because we trust them to do that. They want to, you know, that's what they do. If I say delete this whole folder, they'll be like, yes, we will delete this whole folder. If I'm an admin that says, I want to set the retention policies on my entire organization to be two years, Microsoft will say, cool, we'll do that. Even if my admin didn't really understand that means everything right away will be deleted with no backups. Yeah. So Microsoft and all the SaaS organizations are going to do what we tell them to do with our data. I think Salesforce is a really interesting example. And it's an interesting example where people don't realize how much data is there. But if your enterprise and your sales engine depends on Salesforce, what happens if somebody goes rogue and starts deleting things before they quit? What happens, even not even that bad, what happens if somebody new comes in and all of the objects and things in Salesforce, they start moving around because... They're building a better, um, they've been assigned to build a better reporting structure, but they kill a bunch of reports that everybody else needed. 
how long does that take to restore to the way it was before? And, and, and does that matter? Can, are you okay with your Salesforce not working or not those reports not working or people not being able to get in and do their job until those reports and the, the architecture of that is, is built back up. Hmm. And that's been around Salesforce is like the granddaddy of SaaS. It's been around. They've found it. Yeah. Like, 15, 16 years now or some more than that. 99. Yeah. So, so, so fill me in on this. Cause I, 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 as you're explaining this, it's sort of setting off some light bulbs in my head. So, um, you know, like in a, in a typical corporate environment, if I were to, you know, blow away a bunch of email folders, it tends to have these sort of sophisticated tools that, you know, they'll, they'll kind of shame you and go, well, you shouldn't have done that, but, but they have ways, you know, within reasonable amounts of time to sort of, you know, get them back cause they made a backup. Um, <laughs> let's, let's suppose somebody is using uh, the spanning tool for office 365 and, and you're doing backups like, like, uh, so let's say you, you do it one night, you're typing and you fat finger something and you delete something or whatever. Like how does, how does the whole backup process work? Like, do you go to some admin and then say, go take this file and give it to Microsoft or how does, like, yeah, how does that interaction all work? Okay. So the backup part itself. Um, we, for all of our applications, we, um, have basically built our own data centers in a cloud Okay. and we use all sorts of, um, workers and, and they, our dev team is pretty amazing. They have been, they've done this stuff that everyone's talking about figuring out how to do with OpenStack and everything. They've done it for a really long time. So we have microservices, we have individual little servers that just go do backups, go do restores, go do exports, whatever it is they're doing. Um, and super scalable and, and just really work well. So we, we mix those workers with the APIs of each one of the products that we protect. Um, and we have really good relationships with all the development teams. We have a super good relationship with Microsoft. I was, we just got that. We waited for the OneDrive APIs. That we didn't get those till the end of January. And our devs were like, well, you know, if these APIs could do this, that, and the other thing, we could do our job a lot better. And the OneDrive team was like, cool, we'll make the change. So we've actually helped improve the OneDrive APIs for everybody else, which is kind of cool because our devs are so good at APIs. We take those APIs. We do a daily backup um, using the APIs. We back it up. Um, and then if once it's time to restore, we use the same APIs and we put them right back into the application. Now, how it works from like a, a user perspective, our app was built specifically for users from the beginning, the Google app was the Salesforce app is in the app itself. So Salesforce admins can use it. And then OneDrive for business, the same, you look at how our app looks. It looks like the um, web environments for each one of those applications. Um, it's, it's um, adjustable to any device. So you can do it from your phone, but users can, can restore their own data. So if they've made a mistake, they, and they've deleted it and it's bounced off the tenant completely, they can go into spanning. They can do a search for um, the last good backup of that particular file or folder or entire account if they want to. And they can restore it with spanning and we restore right back into their account. On oh, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. So it says cloud to cloud never comes to ground. Gotcha. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So you guys basically sort of look like the... Uh, the the IT group at least I mean like they don't even re- they don't even really know they have an IT group it's just sort of like built in natively within within the interface so they just sort of well, think that, think normally I guess if you will well it looks like it, it is spanning so it looks like it but it is a different application yeah this is kind of why people go to SaaS apps for productivity 
they want everyone to go really fast. They want users to be able to self-serve and do their own thing. So if, you know, something happens and there's a, you know, there's a mistake, there's a user error and the data's gone, of course they're going to want, why bother IT? Why have to put in a ticket and wait for someone to answer it and do it for you if you could just do it yourself with a couple of clicks? Right, right. Well, and that's the thing I've always said is, you know, more and more people are just used to doing that. I mean, it's, yeah. it's you know, that's what they grew up with. And, you know, if you're sub, I don't know, 45 years old, like SaaS applications are kind of commonplace. You have no, you have no fears of them. You, you kind of get it. Um, yeah. So, um, what's the, what's probably the biggest, I mean, aside from, like you said, people just kind of don't know to back stuff up because they think it just sort of happens. What are the other, I don't know, big mistakes that, that you find that people make or, um, you know, kind of common tips you need to, to sort of educate people on to get them, you know, to be smarter about just protecting themselves and what to do and, and do the right things. I think, first of all, realize that your SaaS provider can't back up the data. It's out of the wheelhouse of what they do, and they wouldn't be able to do other things. But the things that you will typically lose data from are going to be user error. Um, are malicious actors, definitely. And we, I was at a, a micro partner meeting a couple of weeks ago and showing them the new OneDrive capabilities. And somebody told us that's what had happened is this guy was really, really mad and knew he was going to quit. So he delete in, in OneDrive for business, um, you can share files with everybody else, kind of like Google Drive does. Mm-hmm. And people can delete your files, kind of like Google Drive too, oh. right? So they, they can delete your files. And if a file gets deleted, it goes into the file owner's recycle bin because it's basically a SharePoint site. So this guy was mad and he knew he was leaving. So he deleted all the files somebody had shared with him. And um, the recycle bins have a... A retention time period. The first one is 93 days. The second one is 93 days. After that, if you don't try and go recover the file, it is purged off the system and it's gone forever. So that happened because people didn't realize the file was deleted yeah. if the files were gone when they went to look for them to do something. So that's, you know, people being malicious. It happened on premises and we could protect it because we had backups. Same thing. Um, the other thing that happens is add-ons. So Salesforce is probably a great example for that. If you have a marketing automation tool that's feeding into Salesforce, um, it can change things really quickly in ways that you don't want to. So being able to put you know, your, your customizations back really quickly becomes important. And in the collaboration tools, it, sometimes some of the sometimes just getting a new phone and syncing it um, with the different clients can have um, unintended disastrous results if you click the wrong things, right? So people thinking they know what they do, but they know what they're doing and sometimes don't. Um, that happens. Or just having add-ons like to Outlook that can touch your data because you're authorizing those add-ons to do things on your behalf. Um, if it does something you didn't really realize it was going to do, that can be data loss. Yeah. And, and then... Okay, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I'll go ahead. I'll let you finish. I think the other one would be hackers and malware. And ransomware. So at this point, if, if you got to think about like if I if I got CryptoLocker on my laptop, um, the way things sync automatically to OneDrive for Business is with a sync client. So if I get um, about you know a ransomware on my laptop, all the files get encrypted, including the ones in the sync client. Um, that is a change, so that will trigger those files to get synced up to OneDrive for Business. There, if I've shared that file with anybody else. Because it's a change, it will be triggered to sync down to their laptops. 
So if you, you know, if the only people that have recovered quickly from, and it's not even quickly, the only people that have recovered without paying the ransom of however many Bitcoins it is, are people who have had on-premises really good backup and recovery strategies. And this is another one of those things. You have to have a known good place to go back to. And if this locks up all your files, you will not have a known good place to go back to because everything's encrypted. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So it's, you start getting, so I, I guess the, the sort of obvious follow-up question is, um, and, and maybe I don't, you know, I don't know if you can answer this or how, how com- I'm, I'm looking for sort of more commonplace. So like you sort of said, Hey, you know, the SaaS providers aren't designed to do stuff like, like backups. You know, we see this even on AWS and stuff where you see this whole ecosystem of people that do right. uh, everything from like billing to, to security, to, you know, so like, you know, they, they do what they do well, it's a core. And then they, you know, they, they allow the ecosystem like spanning to do the things that they do well. How, how well does that sort of ecosystem model work? Um, where they sort of, I mean, is it, is there a way through these partnerships where they pass along customers so that, you know, their, their customers can be protected or is there, you know, tons and tons of marketing that you have to go find these people or and I'm not looking for you to give away kind of spanning stuff, but I'm just curious again about how the SaaS industry is, is kind of dealing with that, especially if maybe sometimes you don't have kind of central IT groups anymore. It's just, you know, the business figured out what they need to use. For sure. So I, I think all three of the providers that we, that we back up have that sort of an ecosystem um, where people do different things. Like we're, we're straight up backup and recovery, depending on how you look at archive, we could do that too. Sure. Um, but we, uh, that's one thing that, that we have actually been working on really hard is just, I think even from like the, from a Microsoft standpoint, cause I know that best. Um, there, there are tons of just service cloud providers, cloud service providers that, that want to sell office 365 to their customers. And when they do that, there's a whole bunch of stuff that has to go on because, of course, Office 365 was on-premises for so long. Right. So you have existing content that needs to come up to the cloud. So, and that's not trivial. There's, there's a lot of stuff that needs to happen for that to be a smooth transition. So you have lots of organizations that do that. Um, and I think the cloud service providers are great because they'll – and we're working hard to get in with that a little bit better – they, they want to sell the license for Office 365, but they also just want to quickly add on whatever services they, they need. So they want to sell it all together at one time. Gotcha. Which I think is actually really great for customers because that's one of the things we've found that's been hard is if someone um, took their company to Office 365, but they didn't think about backups because that might not have been anything they ever thought about. So Exchange Admin is probably the last thing they're going to think about. Or EUC even is going to be backups. So... It's really hard to tell some to be on a call with someone and tell them, look, screwed up. You should have backups. You got to go find the budget for it now, or you're all in very perilous danger. So yeah. it's and always nice to have that upfront, have that discussion. I think the cloud service providers are doing a great job with and that. Then, and then you guys work through sort of the marketplaces and stuff like that for for some of the the SaaS all applications. Three. All three. So yeah. we're kind of new to Office 365 and working through. I think we're, we finally found the the team that we need to work with to to do a better job, but we are on pinpoint, which is theirs. Um, we're one of the top app. We got really, really good ranking in both Salesforce and Google. Cool. What we do. Um, so I, I think those things are kind of, because like you said, there's a lot of times who, who brings people to these applications won't be the it team. And although I think the it team is starting to wake up, I talk to more backup admins 
um, last week than I have in a long time. And they were not the normal, we don't want to talk, this is dumb, we'll never have to support it. They really wanted to know what was going on. So it was good to see that. Yeah. Cool. Very, very cool. This has been, uh, this has been helpful. Um, so I'll sort of ask last question. Um, um you know, beyond the normal sort of pitch that you make to people about, Hey, you, you got to do this. Like, I don't know, you're a couple of years into to dealing this, like what's the, what's the biggest lessons that you've sort of learned in general around SaaS, you know, from, from a product management perspective, from, from a, you know, industry trend perspective. I mean, do you feel like, like you said, people are getting comfortable with this. Um, you know, where do you, do you see it going? Do you just see it, people getting more and more comfortable saying like any application can be SaaS or are there any big, you know, red flags that you still see out there? That's an interesting, that's a big question. Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) Um, so I, I definitely have seen a change probably in the last quarter or so. And, and it kind of is shocking to me, really honestly, the types of customers we're talking to and types being in size and verticals. I mean, if the government is starting to use this yeah. already, it's kind of weird because they're never early adopters. But it, so it's this is not anymore. And I kind of have done this at VMUX, talked about this is not shadow IT anymore. It's just not. And and I think people are starting to wake up to that to that fact. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's, it's just drive productivity. I mean, it's yeah, calling it shadow IT is sort of it, yeah, throws you off because at the end of the day, it's essentially just people just want to be productive, and that's the way they want to work. Like they like their mobile phone, they like their tablets, and they work better on SaaS in a lot of cases. Well, if you think about it, if, if a SaaS provider's um, main business goal is to keep their app running for you. So they're going to do whatever they have to do to keep that app, app up to meet the SLAs. Organizations that are consuming the SaaSes, the data, that data is critical. So even if it's the data being created in productivity apps like Word and email and, and Skype, those it's it's critical that that data is, is maintained. Yeah, I, I think what I'm seeing, which I think is really interesting, is people not thinking about, okay, how do I, for example, how do I offboard employees with Microsoft? Once you pull a license after 30 days, they totally purge that user's data. So have you thought about, you know, if I go to a SaaS application, what happens with my employees data? Once I pull the license, how do I move that data around? How do I retain that data? So I think what needs to start happening is people See, first of all, looking at which applications can I move to the cloud and which deployment app, uh, model is the best for me, my organization. Yeah. That makes sense to us. Then once you decide that, you have to think about, okay, especially if you move to SaaS where you have virtually no control over the IT part of it, you have to think about, okay, what are my, what are my processes now around people? And what are my processes around the data and retention? And what am I responsible for from a compliance point of view? And how do I, because you're not going to have the same tools with SaaS that you have with any of the other deployment models. You, you just aren't going to have them. So you're going to have to think ahead about how you can use different tools like backup and recovery tools, third-party backup, to fit into fit those into some of the things that you need to continue in a SaaS application. Yeah. I think that's what people aren't thinking about yet. Yeah. I'll, I'll ask one last, I was going to make that the last question, but I have, I have one more now that I'm thinking about this. So... Um, you know, I, I think about like regular work. If somebody somebody quits, you can take them out of AD. You can you know get them off the VPN, all that sort of stuff. You can get their laptop back, 
and and maybe they've got a bunch of PowerPoint or Word files or whatever they have on the local machine or in a in a shared. But what happens? What happens after that thirty days? If like you recognize, hey, that that person had a bunch of interesting stuff. How do, how do the SaaS applications work in terms of like it's a it's a piece of content, it's an object or something. Is it permanently associated with that person's name, or can you put it into sort of like you know some big group bucket for you know sharing or like how to? I'm trying to think how do that works um, when when it's sort of a corporate asset, but the SaaS applications tend to be kind of you know end user based type of type of things, right? Yeah. So like with, you know, it, I think it would depend on where the content lives with Microsoft and I'm totally speaking off the cuff, right? Yeah, that's fine. So, um, end users with most enterprise licenses, most, all of them will get an email account. All of them will get a OneDrive for business account and that content isn't shared. It is that users and that's it. And that content, it would just depend. You would have to think about it before, before the 30 days was up. I mean, it's really easy with backup with like us. You can, you can restore data to a different user. So that makes it super, super easy. Um, you can retain the license. As long as you retain the license, the data is going to be there, but it's kind of expensive to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and other than that, I'm not, there's probably things, but I'd have to look them up. Okay. Well, <laughs> I definitely, I mean, definitely stuff for people to kind of, as they're migrating to these things to sort of keep in mind. Cause, right. uh, I, you know, I, again, these are things that you like, you sort of took for granted sometimes that maybe it did, or you just didn't think about them. Um, so no, that's very, very, very interesting. Well, listen, um, I'm going to wrap it up cause I know you've got uh, things to do. Um, and, uh, I want to thank you so much for the time for being on and finally us getting you back on the show. Um, but thank you for educating us. And, um, where can, uh, where can everybody find you out and about or, you know, the stuff you're working on? So spanning.com has all of the spanning stuff. It's actually, you'd have a 30 day free trial. So cool. just check it out yourself. Um, G-Minx on Twitter. Where am I going? I don't think I'm going anywhere until, um, world partner conference in Toronto for Microsoft. Okay. I'll definitely be at ignite in September and I'll probably be at VMworld. Okay. And people might find you out and about in Austin next week. If they're having to be down at OSCON or something. If you're at OSCON, definitely send me a note. Cause, um, we're, we're three blocks away from the convention center and, just so everybody knows, there's no Uber or Lyft right now, so make plans accordingly. Yeah, I heard about that. That's kind of that's a bummer. Um, <laughs> uh, well, Gina, thank you so much for being on. And uh, folks, Aaron will be uh, on back next week, and uh, we will talk to you then. Have a good weekend. Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows, show notes, videos, and everything social media. 